This is HPR episode 1686 entitled Interview with Joel Shibard of Open Hand and is part of the series Accessibility. It is hosted by Steve Bickle and is about 27 minutes long. The summary is an interview with Joel Shibard, founder of the prize-winning Open Hand Project. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. This show is an interview with Joel Gibbard, founder of the Open Hand Project. The interview was recorded on my phone, which unfortunately created a few glitches. I've cleaned up the audio as best I can. Although frustrating, the occasional glitches haven't caused anything to be missed that cannot be picked up from the context of the recording. After creating an artificial hand for his degree project, Joel Gibbard wanted to continue the work on the hand, with the goal of producing a workable prosthetic hand for $1,000. So he launched the Open Hand Project with a successful Indiegogo fundraiser. In this interview, we learn more about the dexterous hand, the project's progress to date, and hear Joel's vision of affordable prosthetics for amputees worldwide. If you've never heard of the Open Hand Project, it might be worth watching Joel's four-minute introduction to the project at teenyurl.com forward slash OHVID. The full link to the video is in the show notes, along with links to the project where designs are available for download. Crazy to ask was uh, what, what actually inspired you to to start Open Hand? Well, it was um, I was sitting in my bedroom one day, um, just wanting wanting a new project to start. I'm just going to do pick something from my notebook. And um, I, I thought to myself that I would be incapable of doing any, um, like, making if I didn't have my hands. My hands. In our um, kind of moment, I thought to myself, oh, I, sh- I should make a robotic hand just in case I ever lose one so that I have a spare. <laughs> um, and that, that was enough drive for me to start doing so I, and I thought it'd be a fun project. So I started picking and folding it up, and that was how I made the first one. Um, and I only really saw a realistic application for it when I was at university. And that was as an excuse to, to make another one for a final year project. You came away with a degree off of the back of that project. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the project was went really, really well. Um, my university professors didn't think that I'd be able to, or, or a couple of them didn't think it was going to be a feasible project in the time scale. So anyway, <laughs> and unfortunately managed to pull it off. So yeah, it was very well received and got very good marks. 
Oh, that's great. With the um, hand now, you're using 3D printer. Which 3D printer you're using the one you originally started with? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I'm still using the one that I started with. I started off with the Lulzbot A0101, which is the f- first one I think they sold, or maybe the second one they sold. Um, this is in um, based in America. And they they were one of the first people to start offering 3D printers commercially. So that, that I bought that about two years ago, nearly two years ago now, and started printing with that, still print with that. It's going pretty well. They donated to the Open Hand Project, um, Lulzbot Taz, which is still going strong. And we have a Robox, um, which Cell uh, makes those. They donated it to us as well. So we've got three at the moment. And <laughs> we've got some more space to put them. Is this because of throughput you need so many machines or are each of them applicable to different parts of the hand? Yeah, both really. We have the the Taz is printing Ninja Flex flexible filament at the moment, so we're using so that's that's limited by the extruder to to just print in flexible filaments. Um, the other two printers are printing in PLA, but we will we and at that point we're going to have to get a couple of printers that are always just printing off. You know, like manufacturing rather than prototyping. Does this mean you you'll need to move to uh, to different a different class of printer, or, or do you? I'm actually I'm going to hack a Lulzbot Taz to have three extruders at, at, in on the same um, x-axis. So it's I'm going to take one of their printers and then just duplicate the extruder, and then suppose so it will print the exact same thing times three. Oh wow! So, so like, if you see what I mean, yeah, like the old uh, trapezoidal copy things, <laughs> three in a row at the same time. So that's the plan, and I'm pretty sure it's possible. Um, so, hopefully, that means we'll have to have a third as many 3D printers as we would otherwise need to. <laughs> So that'll save save on energy and in speed speed. So um, I, I guess I guess a lot of people are focusing on the three D printing because it's it's the it's the in thing at the moment and in the news. But um, aside from that, presumably there's there's a lot going on with electronics, control systems, motors, and actuators. Yeah, well, I I think the the innovations that we are pushing are in, at the moment, are in the mechanical design. So probably 3D printing is the right thing to be focusing on, and, and at least the mechanical design of our hands. The electronics, we've, we've made another, another iteration of it, which is basically the same thing but smaller and a few more features. Um, we, we've been experimenting with different actuators. So we've got some linear actuators now from company called Fergelli based in Canada and they're going to do the job really nicely. Um, but in terms of sort of control theory and signal processing, those are things that we're really keen to look into and, um, got some really cool ideas for it, but we haven't had the resources. We're going to on that front to begin with. 
And, and is this off of running off of a digital platform or is it more conventional analog control? It's all digital signal processing. I mean, we'd, we've, ju- we've just, our, our um, control board is, um, or it's the, 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 we use the Arduino programming environment and we use the Atmega 2560 chip. Um, and it's basically just tailored to drive motors rather than lots of digital a normal Arduino board would be. I see. You mentioned in the in the introductory video that you use feedback to control the the grip. Is, is this just picking up uh, sensors for that? Yeah, we don't have any sensors at the moment. At the moment, we're just reading the current drawn by each of the motors, and which is a it's a really robust way of detecting when the hand has gripped something because no matter which joint. You need, you will receive that signal. Um, whereas if you have pressure sensors on the fingertips, it relies on the fingertips coming into contact with the object. Um, so at the moment, we're just using the current sensing, but we're, we've got, um, at the robotics lab, the Bristol Web, we're experimenting with a project that is that does very fine uh, fingertip detection. So hopefully we'll be able to integrate that into our hand at some point and then we'll be able to do some kind of fun sensing and um, to be honest I don't think that at the moment is going to have a very useful application in prosthetics but hopefully it'll it'll produce a really cool um, prototype and we can experiment with it and find out how we can use it effectively. Do you have people using the hand at the moment at all? No, we're still prototyping We've tested one successfully on an amputee, um, but when I say successfully, <laughs> we got everything to work, as is always the way at the beginning. So our next, we're hoping that our next prototype is going to be level, and in a few months we want to get one working well enough that we can field test it, leave it with a couple of amputees, and see how they get on with it and find out what's good. Mm-hmm. So. Um are there any sort of safety considerations you have to put into the design? Um, to the, well, I mean, it has to conform to um, CE regulation if you're going to be selling it as a medical device, which we do intend to. So it's a work that we're going to have to do at some point in the future, um, which we are thinking about, um, but currently uh, haven't haven't sort of started the process um, to do once we have a fully functional prototype um, functional and robust and, and usable um, safety concerns the other thing we're looking at is is making sure the materials can remain in contact with the skin for a long time um, besides that I mean it's never going to be too strong to do any bones with it or anything like that uh, some people are worried about uh, so I, we keep it in mind but I don't think there are any any um, other particular precautions that we've had to consider? Not yet, anyway. Perhaps testing will prove different. Uh, you keep saying we, so I, I, I presume there's not just you working on this now. Is there? A, a, have you other people working with you on the project? Yeah, it it was initially just me. The open hand project was I was on my own, um, and then 
in around August of this year, I, I had I started having other people um, collaborate with me, and that's ranged from people doing internships. Now there are three of us working full time, and two people working part time as well. So it's it's and and also there's people helping to test the hand as well. So we've got Dan, who's our our main test guinea pig at the moment, who's been coming down to the lab to, to test things out with us. So it's very much a team point. Um, since the Open Hand Project, we've created, I, I, and, and that's how we're kind of pursuing funding opportunities and trying to commercialise some of our robotic hands. I see. The, the, um, the, the whole open source thing is 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 quite interesting and and it it's led to some interesting how how much of open hand is is open source and and how much of what you use to make it is open source yeah well we we will make all of our work open source um and we intend for it always to be that way the thing that we've been we've just been rubbish at doing it lately just actually Putting it online and getting it out there is harder than it sounds. Um, I mean, uploading files is easy, but we want to make sure that people are able to build these hands as well. Things like that in time, um, and making sure that the circuit design that isn't going to work at all. Differently, some people do where everything is always. Available, but personally, I'd rather have releases and then release everything when it's ready, when I'm happy with it. Um, so, so everything is going to be open source. Um, it's just getting around <laughs> to pushing it out. There. Sure. Um, so, uh, when you do push it out there, what sort of open source licensing are you firmed up? Yeah, that's still still to be decided. Uh, I did. I have put designs up up online for one of our previous prototypes, and I I, I used the um, the Linux GNU general purpose license for software. And I, to be honest, I had no idea what I was doing. I think I tried to apply the same license to the hardware, but I don't think that's possible. <laughs> that realistically um, has any meaning. So yeah, that's a, that's another thing that I need to look look more into to do it properly, as opposed to just. As it is an open source design, do you know if there are any other people who've who've built hands or are contributing back to the project? Yeah, lots of people have built built hands actually, um, all over the world. The the difficulty with because its application is a prosthetic comes with, with, with a certain expectation. So p- people, the worry is that people make it thinking, oh, I'm going to give this to my friend and they can wear it as a robotic hand, but it's very far from that level of complete completion um but lots of people have have made them as either these projects um so there's the the royal military college in canada um with the prosthetics project and they used the the uh, dexterous hand from the open hand project um as the robotic hand which is is the use case and when the robot hand it's doing some experimentation around that with maybe myoelectric sensors or um, software algorithms to read signals or looking at people's reactions to robotics and things like that. 
those are the perfect use cases so that people don't reinvent people that that uh, do want to build on the designs. I, to be honest, I'm not I'm not aware of anybody that's made any any sort of huge changes. Um, but I, I do know some people that have printed it. Oh, that's cool. Um, are people offering to help from from outside of your core team at all? Yes. Yeah, we've had lots of people. Lots of people offering to help. Um, so far, I've found it impossible to try and organise that. I, when I said I did it because I wanted to be tinkering rather than organising lots of other people who get to tinker. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as such, we haven't really drawn on on um, many of the offers from people. It's it's difficult to expect to succeed. So. Going to work very well, um, but that said, there are some people doing stuff for us. People that are really, really keen and have have a particular interest in in the area. There are a few people that are doing various different experimental things. Yeah, so there's somebody who's looking into the the rear connection for the hand. Um, yeah, so things like that. There are, there are other people helping us along. Yeah. So, um, what would what do you expect the open hand or open bionics to to look like in five years' time and beyond? Where do you see the project? Well, yeah, the ideal future would be micro manufacturing plants in all different countries, developing countries, inside of prosthetics clinics. The implementation of this technology would be if you could distribute the, the knowledge and the designs to a clinic who had then the, the, the localized skills to scan somebody's arm, 3D print them a prosthetic, and then fit your goal. So this is what we're, we're working towards. Hopefully, that's gonna, we're going to start selling prosthetics in around a year. We'll start in the U in Europe and the US, and you know, we're we're toying with uh, different ideas for trying to serve developing countries as well as Western countries by way of a certain amount, a certain percentage of each purchase will go towards a hand for somebody in a model. But yeah, five years from now, I would love to have, I would love for there to be micro-manufacturing units, 3D scanners, 3D printers in clinics all over the world. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a great goal. You used to bring this in under $1,000 a hand. I know that was your original stated goal. Is that looking possible? Ultimately, yes. The time, the time frame on that is, is um, still, still up in the air. We market some of our products to the hobbyist market and the academic markets uh, where people might want robotic hands and in doing so use that those markets to help supplement our um, so we're going to kick that off in February and see how we get on but if if we can be profitable enough from that then we'll be able to have the price tag of $1,000 I think realistically to begin with They'll probably have to about a thousand pounds, so not not dramatically higher. And then we'll have to work towards that goal that it's 
100% something that we're going to do in the future. It's it's a question of when rather than if. Wow, that's that's terrific. Uh, on the on the other side of this, I guess uh, funding's funding's uh, you started with the Indiegogo. I, I, I remember that because I I've got a very nice set of uh, gloves off of you. Yeah, thank you very which, much. Which, as I, well. which, I, which I keep it, which I keep in my bag. <laughs> I, I've lost, I've lost. I, I had several pairs left over, but not my own anymore. Oh dear. Um, so, uh, so what, what's been happening with the funding? I, I noticed you, you won a prize recently. Uh, I can't honestly recall. My research isn't good enough to say who it was from. Yeah, we've we've. Been been ten thousand pounds from Intuit in April, and then in November we won. Well, then we won another thirty thousand pounds from Intel in September, and then another hundred twenty-five thousand pounds from Intel. So we've been very very lucky with various different competitions that we've been entering, and that's how how we've been getting by this far, and how we intend to fund our development work for the next for the for the next six months to a year um, the next stage after this we've we've put in some bids for for some different grants uh, in the uk so there's quite a lot of money out there for these kind of small businesses and the other thing we're trying to hold off as long as Funding either with angel investors or venture capitalist investors um, could be really, really good for the business. But of course, there's when you do that, you're you're kind of promising huge levels of growth. So it's for everyone. Yeah, so before some, we go down that yeah, road. some people may say that didn't go so well for MakerBot. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I mean, for those that do, I think. MakerBot have still done an incredibly good job of democratizing 3D printing, even if not through their own. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I suppose ultimately it's about your, your ultimate goals and, and do you get to achieve your, this, the vision of the, uh, the, the micro manufacturing in the, in the clinics? Well, yeah, I mean, the real, the real goal is for amputees to have access to low-cost prosthetics. So as long as that happens, it doesn't really matter. Um, even if we, we're not individually successful, ideally we'll have, when we, at the moment, there are no I mean, there's a few people making mechanical hands, um, fully driven, uh, prostheses. There are there are prosthetics for kids, but they're cosmetic or they're hooks and things like that. But no one's making cool robot hands for kids. Um, the least a viable option for them because kids need a new prosthesis every year or so. There's no way the parents can be forking out hundred thousand pounds a year for something like that. Oh no! So I really hope that we're going to have when we start releasing products a year from now, we're going to start having some competitors, and then they're going um, to we'll, we'll create that a new kind of market and we won't then have to worry quite so much about our own future as a company because whatever happens, somebody's still going to be providing low-cost prosthetics, robotic prosthetics. I think I've almost come to the end of my, uh, my list of questions here. Um, uh, just, is there anything else that you, you want to say about the project that I haven't uh, asked about? 
everything. That's great. So, and the best place for HPR listeners to find more about the project would be. Um, so there's openhandproject.org and openionics.com. Um, so the Bionics website is, is the one that we're updating at the moment with everything that we're doing. But that's probably the best one to follow. When uh, I'm aiming to upload the next um, iteration of designs in a few weeks, and that will go to both of those websites. So, yeah, either of those. Oh, and Twitter at, at Open Bionics. Oh, we, right, okay. we tweet oh, I'm not following that. I'll have to add that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's, it's been terrific. Thanks very much for for your time. Um, it's been been good to chat. Thank, thank, you, thank you very much for the interview. Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for ringing. Okay. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.